and we need to eliminate that. Because if you don't eliminate doubt, it's almost to the point where there's really no reason to pray. And most of us, we pray in doubt rather than getting ourselves knowledgeable of what God has said about that situation so then we can pray from a stance of confidence according to 1 John 5, 14. See what I'm saying? Well, I don't understand, Pastor, why, why God's not answering my prayers. Okay, well, what is the subject? Okay, um, healing. I'm looking for something that pertains to just everybody. And look, uh, two of the main reasons we go to God most of the time is either we woke up with a pain in our back, <laughs> some kind of physical ailment, or there's a pain in our wallet. It, we're lacking, okay? We're lacking. So we'll go to God based on those things. And so many times, and of course, nobody in here, this would never happen to anybody in here. Many times when you ask the person, okay, well, what scripture are you standing on? Like, where, where, where have you put your, your claim to? What are, you, what are you holding on to? What promise are you holding on to? I have one person here. Oh, all of them. Okay, well, let's get a little bit more specific. What do you know about God's will as it pertains to healing? Well, I hope, I would hope that he'd want me to be better. Well, hope isn't bad, but hope doesn't get the job done. Now, hope exists to get us from desperation to faith. Hope, we hope, and so now I'm hoping. Well, so then let me go find out what God has already said, what he's already done, and now I, can, now I can pray from a position of confidence. Amen. And so that's why, and, and then consider this other thing. And Jay, I want to go to Mark eleven twenty three. 23. Um, consider this now. Uh, Paul, in that scripture, we can, uh, well, you don't have to go there yet. Um, Paul is talking about doubt connected to sin. Well, if you and I know what God has said about a situation, it's one thing to be, um, I'm going to use this word, but I don't mean stupid. It's one thing to be ignorant of a situation. Ignorant just doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorant means you lack the knowledge that you need as evidence. See, it's one thing to be ignorant. It's another thing to know what God has said and then not trust him. That's why sin is connected to doubt. And doubt will keep you out of receiving the promises of God. If a person, let's say, let's say uh, at the end of tonight um, or at the end of any service, we give an invitation for people who have never received Christ to make him your Lord and Savior. And so the person may come forward and, um, you know, whoever's praying with them may say, well, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross for our sins and well, you know, I believe about the cross, but I don't know about this virgin birth thing, uh, which is an important thing, okay? Well, I don't really know if he rose from the dead. Okay, well, then how do I pray? How am I going to pray for this person? I'm not going to lead them in the prayer of salvation. Why? Because they're not at the point yet. So what I'll do is, and what we should do just in general, is, okay, can I pray for you? Okay, so, Father, I pray for this person. I pray that you would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know what the hope of your calling is. Father, reveal Jesus to this person like they've never received before. Open up their eyes. Make him real to them. Now when they receive revelation, maybe they'll come back the next week and go, man, I've been reading the Bible and God's just opened up my eyes. Now we can pray. 
You see, we do a disservice sometimes when we make people pray when we know in their hearts they're not ready. So then we're going to help them establish a negative track record instead of a positive track record with God. Because now their only experience with God was, well, I prayed, nothing happened. Well, I prayed, nothing happened because you didn't have any faith. Now, let's balance it out. Every once in a while, God will do something just out of pure grace or out of just pity for the person or something like that. But the general rule that we see in the Word, especially in the Gospels, is Jesus was looking for faith in almost everybody that he dealt with. Amen? Amen? So, we want to stay out of sin. We don't want to, we want, want to, we don't want to doubt God. There's a hand over here, a hand over here. Anybody else with that outline? Okay. So let's look now at Mark eleven twenty three. Okay, you guys, are you guys familiar with this portion of scripture? I've heard it once or twice in my life. Um, now watch this now. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to operate with the God kind of faith. Not our kind of faith, the God kind of faith. You remember, you remember the context of this? Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. He's early in the morning. He's passing by a fig tree. He's hungry. He doesn't find any fruit on the fig tree, which is all symbolic of Israel. And he, he curses the fig tree and said, nobody shall eat from you ever again. Next day, they come back past the same fig tree, and Peter notices, wow, this fig tree is dead from the roots. It's just dried up and dead. It happened in a 24-hour period. And so they marveled at this. And then Jesus says to them, well, if you have the God kind of faith, you will speak even to this mountain and tell it to go, right? So here we go. Look at this. For surely I say to you, he's talking to the disciples, whoever says to this mountain, and possibly he might have been pointing to the Mount of Olives, I don't know, and says, be, uh, and whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And look at this. Read it with me nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. And does not doubt in his heart. Stop. Why doubt in your heart? Why is the heart specific? Because it's a place where faith begins. Faith is a matter of the heart. For with the heart man believes, Romans chapter 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, right? Okay, he's talking about the center of our being, where we make all our decisions. Because faith is a decision. I mean, look at the Israelites. They saw everything that God did to Egypt. And then when they get on the other side of the Red Sea, they're still doubting. Oh, I don't know. Can he feed us? You, you just saw him destroy an empire. Okay? So where do we got to concentrate on if we want to stay out of, sin, stay out of the sin of doubt and stay out of, of displeasing God and, and getting our prayers answered? What do we got to concentrate on? The heart. Amen. And make sure that we're not doubting. So whatever situation, well, let's go on with it here. So surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he, the person who's supposed to be praying, will have whatsoever he or whatever he says. You got this? Next verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, now take 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, into consideration now, okay? Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you what? Receive, Receive them, and you will have them. Amen. Now, some of you sit here going, this sounds ridiculous. How can I receive something before I have it? Well, if you don't receive it in here, you'll never have it. Amen. You receive it by faith. 
Because God said so. So what is God after from us? Trust. Faith. Why is that? Because that's of everything that Adam and Eve took away from him. And God's been on this thing ever since then to try to get man to put their faith back in him again, to put their trust back in him, because they chose to trust the voice of the enemy over what they knew already from God. Yes? Yes. So that's why Paul says, for whatever is not of faith is sin, because our relationship with God is all by faith. Not by what we've done. Not by, like, I think we talked about this last week when the, the centurion's servant was very sick and he sent the rabbis to go talk to this Jesus. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to correct myself. I don't know that it says that he sent them or they went on their own. It looks like, if you read it in context, that they went on their own to Jesus and said, listen, this Roman guy here, he's in control of our town. His servant is sick. Some people think it was his son. It could have been. His servant is sick. He's paralyzed. He's in tremendous pain. And this is what they said to him. You need to do this for him because he built us a synagogue. You see the politicians there? You see the politics? You see? You, not, not that you need to do this because the man is believing and trusting in you. No, you need to do this for him because he built us a synagogue. I would have loved to see the look on Jesus' face. When we get to heaven, I'm going to go, can we play that back? I'm sure he was gracious, but I'm sure he gave them the message, too. Now, thank God the centurion had faith, and the servant got healed, not because he built them a synagogue, but because Jesus had compassion on that individual. You see what I'm saying? We're good? All right. Any questions before we go further? Any comments? Any anything? Okay, good. All right. So let's go to section D now. Who sins? 1 John chapter 1. You know, it's amazing when you read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, you see a man full of so much wisdom, so much understanding of the nature and the character of God. And for many years, I didn't realize why that was and how that came about until I found out that these three letters were written after John was on the island of Patmos, after he recorded what we call the book of Revelation, because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's another thing, too. Please, when you, read the, when you read the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation is not about the Antichrist. The book of Revelation is not about the disaster. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he is now. And so John has this experience, and he said, I mean, go read the first chapter. John face plants when he sees Jesus. This isn't the Jesus that he saw at the Last Supper. This is the Jesus, the Messiah, Adonai, the one who always is, always was, always will be in his eternal majesty. What would you do? I'll just walk up and shake his hand. Are you kidding me? Bam, he goes right down on his face when he sees Jesus in all of his majesty and all that he is. And so coming from that revelation, John does goes back and writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Because you see a different John here than you see in the Gospels. Amen? Amen. All right. So maybe that'll give you some stir you up to read this. All right. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, we got to be careful with this stuff. you got to balance this out, okay? Um, because the fact of the matter is, when you and I got born again, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to everyone here like you're all born again. If you're not, you can, but before you leave tonight. Because these letters, letters are written to believers, okay? Again, we talked about it before, about the instructions. So, we know that when we got born again, our nature changed, okay? Um, how, many of you, how many of you were raised in a Catholic church? Let me see your hands. Okay, so what did we call that? When, when you're born and you're attached with what? Original sin. The original sin. Well, what, what was the original sin? Adam and Eve. They got us in this whole thing. And Adam's probably in heaven going, oh, no, here they go again. <laughs> Could you imagine the line that's going to be in eternity? Because I want to talk to Adam. So, so, so watch this now. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in truth and not in us. Now, wait a minute, okay? Well, wait a minute, Pastor. Doesn't the scriptures teach us that I'm a new creation in Christ? Yes. In your spirit. Jay, can we go there, please? I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you that's not in the notes. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Is anybody learning anything tonight? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now, we're going to go back to 1 John 1, 1.8 after that. I'm sorry, Jay. Therefore, now, whenever you see that word therefore, you've got to go find out why it's therefore. So you have to read the beginning of the chapter to get to this point. But for the sake of what we're talking about now, Therefore, based on everything from verse 1 to verse 16, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a what? New creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You catching this? Now, if you're born again, you received Christ, your Lord and Savior, that happened to you. Okay, that happened to you. So that dealt with the spirit of who we are. Okay. But you know, and I know, because we've talked about this plenty of times, and I'm sure you can probably tell me now, we are tripart in nature. Yes? yes. We were created in the image of Genesis 1.26. We were created in the image and likeness of God. God exists in the form of the Trinity. Yes? yes. Let's go. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Yes? So if we're created in, image, in, in his likeness, then there should be a tripart nature within us. And we do. We are spirit. We possess a soul, and they live in a body. So when you and I got born again, my hair didn't grow back. Now, I remember one night having a dream when I was in Bible school, that was when I was at Rain. And in the dream, I dreamed I had a full head of hair. And it was so real. I could swear it was like Oh, my God, I went to heaven, and Jesus did this for me. And then I woke up and went, oh, are you kidding me? So my point is this. My, my outward nature did not change the, the night, um, April the 25th, 1984, when I said, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, my Savior, and then went on a six-month crying binge after that, okay? I understood Something changed inside. I didn't understand about the triune nature of man, 
But I, I understood, okay, something changed in here. But then a few weeks later, I realized, well, wait a second, I'm still sinning. Did this, didn't it take? Maybe I need to say it again. Didn't it click? Did I miss a word? No, then I, then I began to understand, thank God, that you know, when I got born again, I was born again in a really good word church that taught the word. So I began to realize and understand from the teachings that it was my spirit that got born again. Your spirit got born again. Your soul is in the process of being separated more and more from this world as long as we cooperate with God, okay? And our body is just a dummy that goes wherever, you know, whoever's speaking louder. When your soul speaks loud, your flesh is going to follow your soul. When your spirit speaks loud, and because you're feeding it the word, you're spending time with God. Thank you. One or two people. You're spending time with God. You, you, you know, you're, you're, you're worshiping God. You're, you're, you're plugged into a church. You're growing. You're sitting under the word. You're going, your spirit, then that voice gets stronger and stronger. And the voice of the soul gets weaker and weaker. Now, we want that because when it flips the other way, oh, Jesus. Then you become one of those Christians that the person you're witnessing goes, oh, born again? I know so-and-so. And they're worse now than they were before they started going to church. You don't want to be that person. Okay? Amen. All right. So um, if we say we don't, in other words, he's saying, if from your soul you say that your soul is perfect, not sinning, you're a liar. Worse than that, you're deceived and don't even know that you're a liar. Okay? And the truth is not in us. That doesn't mean that you're not born again. It means you're not walking. Why? Oh, okay, go back to the verse before this. You, no, um, I mean in John, First John, First John one seven. Okay. You know the amazing thing about this? Verse seven comes before verse eight. Amen. So we put it in context. But if we walk in the light, now this is written to believers. Whose spirits are alive unto God, yes. going to heaven. Yes. Amen. Yes. Holy Ghost is in there. Yes. Okay. But if we walk in the light, now where do we make the, cho the choice to walk in the light or not walk in the light? What part of us makes that choice? The soul. The soul. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In other words, it, it, it affects all our relationships. Amen. 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 And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So hold on to that cleanses us from all sin. Now go to verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in truth and none in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? Cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. In other words, when we, when we act like a person who's not born again, when we act like a person who doesn't have the Holy Ghost inside them, when we act like a person that doesn't know the Word of God, when we act like a person who has no connection to Jesus, we pick up things that are unrighteous. And this is the most awesome promise here. Now, honestly, to me, the second part is better than the first part because we know our sins have been forgiven. And say, so, well, then I shouldn't have to confess. Oh, calm down. It's a matter of respect. It's a matter of honor. How do you not go before God and say, look, I know you did this. You knew seven million years ago I was going to do this. You still chose to save me. I'm grateful for that. But just out of honor and respect, Lord, I'm sorry. I did this. I planned it out. 
I walked in it. I did it. I'm sorry. I picked up some junk while I was out there. Please cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So we understand this now, right? So, getting back to the notes here. Let's go to verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, not only, not only are we deceived, but we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, understand, connect all this together. Walking in the light means we're walking in the word. If we don't walk in the light, it's because we don't have the word in us. He's not saying, I'm going to send you to hell. He's saying, get the word in you so that you can walk in the light. The more words you have, the more light you have. But here's the kicker. The more words you have, the more accountable you are to walk in that word. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. So, as far as who sins... Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short. Remember what sin? Sin. Oh, wait a minute, that's Tuesday mornings. We just talked about this. So Tuesday morning, for those of you who don't know, Tuesday morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, in the morning, no matter how cold it is, we have a Bible study here for the guys, for men. We usually get about 30, right, Brian? About 30 guys? Bill, where are you? About 30 guys. And we just talked about this, what sin is. And I'm telling you, you say, well, gee, lately we've been talking a lot about sin. You, you want to know why? Come on, ask me. Because the Spirit of God is bringing the church to a place of repentance that we should have been 10, 15 years ago. Amen. Repentance. You want to know what the Spirit of God is saying right now? Well, what's, what's the Spirit saying? Repentance. Repentance. We've allowed too much junk in our lives. We've tolerated too much blank. You getting this? Repentance. Why? Because we're in a season of preparation. What are we preparing for? Where's the mics? Where's the mics? Where's the mics? What are we preparing for? Jesus is coming. Well, Pastor, they've been talking about that for 2,000 years. Yes, and for 2,000 years, they've been looking for certain things to happen that would tell us we're right in the season and those things have happened and are happening right before our eyes. Get ready. It's the gospel of, what's his name? Uh, McConaughey? McCon what's that guy's name? That m actor? Matthew McConaughey. The gospel of Matthew McConaughey. Get ready, get ready, get ready. All right, all right, all right. Listen. There's a great harvest that has to come out of the world. And I hope you don't have the attitude, well, I'm born again. Okay, you're born again for a purpose and for a reason. To proclaim the wondrous deeds of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But listen, as long as the church is walking around, who's the church? Let me see the church. As long as the church is walking around, and to a certain extent, no different than the world, why should they listen to us? Why should they listen to us? I told, you, I told you the story many times when I first got born again. There was an older couple in, in our lives, my wife and myself. Um, we had just had our first baby. And these two individuals were business people in the area. 
And we were friends with them for at least four or five years before I got born again. Okay? And, um, you know, I would go to AC with them. I'd gamble everything I had. Um, a lot of other nasty stuff. Okay? Remember, I wasn't saved then. Don't look at me like that. Okay? <laughs> and so then I get born again, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, these people need to hear this. And I go to them. And I said, okay, you won't believe this, guys. I got born again. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm like, I'm like a totally different person now. Oh, we did that years ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, man, let it out, because I couldn't see this all these years. So it was amazing how I had two people that were old enough to be my parents in my life for years at the worst time of my life, yet God had to bring a complete stranger into my path to tell me about Christ. Now, they're both, I praise God, I believe they're both in heaven at this point, so I hope they're not listening, but <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? God had to bring a complete stranger out of nowhere to tell me about Jesus because the people that were in my life, I wouldn't have listened to them because I, you know, I, I would have been like, your conduct is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. That's why we need to understand what sin is about. That's why you and I need to understand that we need to tap into the grace of God like we're teaching on the weekend, okay? About tapping into the grace of God according to Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared to all men bringing salvation, teaching us to what? Deny ungodliness and... Haven't I taught enough about this? You guys should be reciting it back to me. We've been talking about this since the beginning of the year. It teaches us to deny ungodliness, and worldly lusts, worldly cravings. For what reason? That we would live soberly, righteously, and godly when? In this present age. And then the next verse goes on to say, while we're waiting for the blessed appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're preparing for. I don't know if you realize this. If you, most, most of us are probably on social media here, uh, probably the great majority, there's a slew of individuals having dreams about Jesus returning now. And if you, I mean, some of them are flakes, but if you listen to, to the majority of them, they line, what they're saying they're seeing in these dreams and visions lines up with the Word of God. Now, we're in a season of preparation. A season of preparation always requires repentance. John the Baptist was sent to prepare Israel for the Messiah. What was his message? Repent. Jesus comes on a scene. He's preparing them for the kingdom of God. And what was his message? Repent. Well, guess what? He's coming. I want to be ready. Uh, look, let me, let me rephrase that. We're born again. We're going to go. But I don't want it to be one of those things where Jesus is standing at the door going, come on in, I got to let you in. What do we want him to say? What do we want him to say? Welcome, thou, and faithful what? servant. Here's your reward. All these people are here because of you. All those individuals are here because of you. Hallelujah. Prepare us, Lord. Let's go to the next section, section A. Is this helping tonight? Matthew chapter 4. 
Brian, can I have some water, please? Just, I'll meet you halfway. Thank you. Did you open this? No. Let me get one out of the office. What's underneath there? Okay. Well, listen, let me explain to you, okay, because he just said that about the water. I'm not a prima donna. I'll drink any kind of water. However, there's certain kind of water we get that have minerals added to it, and I don't want another kidney stone. <laughs> if you have ever been affected by kidney stones, stop drinking mineral water. It's called what? Mineral water. What does it have in it? Minerals. What are kidney stones made up of? Thank you. Well, can't you believe God? Uh, honey, have you ever had a kidney stone attack? <laughs> It'll get you praying in tongues, even if you didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Section E. First time I had one, the nurse at the emergency room said, you know, this is equivalent to a labor, like a woman delivering a baby. I'm like, it's too much information. <laughs> It's not helping. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who was he tempted by? Okay. The question here is, who tempts us to sin? And the question is, who is the ultimate root of all sin? Devil. Okay. Now... Now, just to balance this out, because it's inevitable if a person only has this scripture in their arsenal of doctrine, then you're going to go around going, well, I can't, you know, I can't help you. The devil's more powerful than me. I, I really can't help it. You know, Pastor Israel, I can't really, you know, when it comes on me, I, the next thing you know, I'm in sin. Nah, calm you, cool your jets, buddy. Let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. That's in the New Testament, right? Okay, let's look at start in verse 13. Let no one say, are you there? Yes. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Amen. Okay, so we know, Matthew chapter 4, who brought the temptation to Jesus? The devil. Okay, here it says, it doesn't come from God, but look at the next verse. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And that's why Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 2 that allow the grace of God to teach us how to deny ungodliness and what else? Worldly lusts. That's what James is talking about here. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Now let's keep reading here because he's giving us the mechanics of how sin works in the life of a human being. Okay, now, the very first precedent that was set of this principle was in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that Eve looked at the fruit and said, man, this it looks nice, it looks good, it's desirable, and she took of it. What'd she do? She gave in to a desire that was on the inside of her already. Right. Yes or no? Yes. All right, the devil's doing the same thing today. He only has a certain amount of tools. He doesn't have that much to work with. So when he finds out that something works, he uses it 
and uses it and uses it. And that's why he tried to get Jesus to fall for the same thing that he got Eve to fall for. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. Well, t- take these stones and turn them into bread. What was he trying to appeal to? His hunger, his natural desire for food. Then he tries to hit him with the natural desire for glory and power. You know, if you bow down to me, I'll give you these kingdoms for the all mine to give. So, oh, no, there's no way. No, no, they were, they were the devil. There wouldn't be any temptation. If the devil didn't have those kingdoms to give, then there wouldn't have been any temptation. And who would have known better than Jesus? But the fact is, when Adam and Eve fell, they turned this world over to Satan. You getting this? It's like he subleased it. God gave Adam the lease, and that lease is 6,000 years. It's coming up soon. Okay, the end of the lease is coming up soon, and there are no extensions. Okay. And what did, what did Adam do? He pretty much took the lease and gave it to Satan. That's why the devil is called the God, little g, of this world. He still is the God of this world. He's not the God of us. He's not the God of the church, but he is the God of this world. And in fact, he could have turned those kingdoms over to Jesus if Jesus would have fell for it. So he was trying to appeal. Because remember, Jesus comes on the scene and they're like, the devils, demons and devils, and I'm like, is it him? Is it not him? Is it him? Is it not him? They didn't know for sure. So they're trying to treat him like he's an ordinary man, like he's just another human being. It didn't work. And we know this is true because Paul later on gives a revelation of if they, the demons, the devil, the kingdom of darkness, would have known who he was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. It was too late by the time they crucified him, okay? So what are we talking about here? Let's, let's go back. Let's start verse 13 again. We got eight minutes, uh, seven minutes. Um, verse 13. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. Can I draw something out here? That... I was born this way doesn't carry any water. Let's keep going. Let no one say when he was tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil. For nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, each one, each one, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes or no? Yes. I ended up preaching tonight anyway. I just realized it. Nobody's been asking any questions. You guys got lazy tonight. But we're making progress. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away. What? Well, let me finish this. Now, you should have did it before. Let me finish this. <laughs> but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's that original sin on the inside of us, the sin nature that wants to come back out. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it starts with a desire. If we can, now watch this now. If we can catch it while it's a desire before it conceives, then we won't have to deal with full-blown sin. That's right. It's not a sin to be tempted. The sin is when you dwell on it, come up with a plan, figure out how you're going to do it, how you're going to fund it, where is it going to take place. That's when it gives birth to sin. And sin, what is full-blown or full-grown, brings forth what? So you see the mechanics here? So again, it comes back to the mind. comes back to the mind. comes back to the soul. If we can catch it there, then we won't have to deal with it when it's sin. Amen? Amen? All right, we got it. Dennis? 
Okay. Mike. Not Mike, you, but the microphone. I've heard people talk about uh, principalities. Now, Powers, dominions. Rulers of darkness. That's what we're fighting against. Because those are rankings in the kingdom of darkness. Just like there's rankings in the kingdom of God. You have archangels, regular angels, cherubim, seraphim, all the whole. It's a, it's a type of ranking in the kingdom of darkness. Okay, principalities usually have a, um, usually have reign or rule over a geographic area. If you study the book of Daniel, okay, he'll talk about the prince of Persia, prince of Greece, okay. Uh, then Isaiah and Jeremiah, I believe both, I know Isaiah does, talks about the prince of Tyre, which is modern-day Lebanon. He's not talking about the person that's sitting on the throne. God bless you. He's talking about the spiritual force that controls the individual. See what I'm saying? Okay, so like, for instance, maybe something we could relate to a little bit. Uh, World War II. People say Hitler was a genius. No, Hitler was a regular person just like anybody else, but he had something operating by him, through him, that gave him strategies, gave him... You think one person can come up with all that stuff? No. So we, 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 in World War II, we dealt with a demonic force that was operating through an individual who was very willing to yield to him. That's what the Antichrist will be when he shows up. Okay, somebody who's very willing. God bless you again. Uh, was that a cough? Or? Oh, I'm sorry. I take it back. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? So it's a ranking in the, in the kingdom of darkness. All right? Anybody else? Because we're going to wrap it up now. There's only four minutes left. Three and a half minutes left. Sure. We want everybody else to hear the question. So. Going back to Adam and Eve, so they chose the apple and they were tempted by the devil, but weren't they told by God to boil it down that they could have everything in this forest except one Except thing? that tree, yeah. So it's not just that the devil tempted. Like, oh, that's, yeah, but that's what James is it's saying. It's self-choice. Right, yeah. So they had that desire in them. They were just looking for a way to do it. And then the devil comes along knowing that they have a desire there, which tells me, um, I think I taught this past weekend, it wasn't one time. I doubt very much it was one time that the serpent spoke to Eve. Because the first time she would have went, nah, this doesn't sound right. But he kept coming back and coming back. Same thing he did to Jesus. Now, we have recorded for us in the, in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, the devil came three times to offer temptation. And then it says, whether it's in Matthew or one of the other gospels, it says, and then the devil left him for a more opportune time. So we know he's persistent. I mean, isn't he persistent with you? He's persistent with all of us. Come on. <laughs> Got to give him one thing. He's persistent. So, yes, I, I agree with you. Uh, but then it also comes back to the idea that Eve wasn't even created when God gave that command to Adam. So she didn't hear it from the lips of God. She heard whatever she heard, she heard from her husband. Guys, it's important that we tell our wives or our loved ones what God says in the Word. Not that you can't read it for yourself. But we go, Eve, 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 Eve. No, no, the Bible talks more about Adam than it talks about Eve. See, we want to we blame her because she bit the... But it says that her husband was there and he gave it to her too. And he went, yeah, what the heck? And now we're in this position that we're in. So anything else? Because we're going to wrap this up soon. Any other questions? Speak now or forever hold your peace. We're good? All right. So let me ask you this. Should we continue this next week? Yes. All right. We'll stay on this format for at least another week. We're good? Yes. Okay. Um, does anybody need prayer for anything? If you do, please come on up.
especially, especially please, if you have never yet in your life made a declaration of faith and proclaimed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and invited him to come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior, please, please settle that issue before you go home tonight. Amen? Amen. If that's you, we'll pray for you. If you have needs of anything else, we'll pray for you. God bless you. We're dismissed.